Good Shepherd Sermon for Sunday, February 12th, 2023. Pastor Paul Talbert. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School is located in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, in the United States. Our mission is simple and bold. We seek to grow in faith and knowledge of our Savior Jesus. We want to make him known to others so that they too may share the joys that Jesus has won for them. Here's Pastor. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. God's word for meditation is, again, from the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' sermon to you and to me. And remember who he's gathered around himself, a whole bunch of people who want to hear, what does God have to say? They have been beat up and beat down by the religious leaders of the day. The political climate of the day was tyrannizing them. They had no hope. And they heard that this Jesus was talking about hope and joy. And they really wanted to hear more of that. And this is how his sermon continued. Remember the blesseds? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And then he said, follow me and be salt and light. Yeah, well, now comes something else. He says, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother without a cause will be subject to judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, will have to answer to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says, you fool, will be in danger of hellfire. So, if you're about to offer your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. If someone accuses you, reach an agreement with him quickly while you are with him on the way. Otherwise, your accuser may bring you to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. Amen, I tell you. You'll never get out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to fall into sin, pluck it out, throw it away from you. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, cut it off, throw it away from you. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality causes her to be regarded as an adulteress, and whoever marries the divorced woman is regarded as an adulterer. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oaths, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, because it is God's throne, And not by earth, because it is his footstool. Not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your own head, since you cannot make one hair white or black. Instead, let your statement be, yes, yes, or no, no. Whatever goes beyond these 
is from the evil one. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our defender. God's word for today talks about um, rules and talks about rule makers and rule keepers. Uh, rule makers are, well, you know them. It's the people that want you to do and behave in a certain way. A rule breaker is a rebel, someone who just likes breaking the rules for breaking the rules' sake. King David was given the entire kingdom. The Lord protected his whole life. He is, is, the king who was there was trying to kill him. King David was protected that whole time. And then when that king died, the Lord elevated King David to the position of kingship and promised him that from him was going to come the Messiah. Wow. And what does David do? He says, these are great gifts, God. They're wonderful. If I'm God, and David does that to me, I go to David and I say, screw you. Because that's my gift to you, and that's how you treat my gift to you? How come God didn't do that? King David went on to live and to rule. How come God didn't do that? That's what he's talking about today. He's talking about what happens when you do that to God. A lot of people think, well, I don't do that. So when Jesus starts off pointing out that, oh, yeah, you do, he doesn't start with the first commandment which says, you shall have no other gods. He doesn't start with that one. He doesn't start with the last one. He starts right in the middle. It's kind of like he is telling us, it doesn't matter where I start. The fifth, the tenth, the first, doesn't matter. You've broken them all. There is no hope for you. You need to understand that. In confirmation class, I, whether it's adult or children, I always ask the question when you come to the commandments, uh, who's, who's kept the fifth commandment? You shall not murder. And they all raise their hand. Yeah. Because I haven't killed anybody. You've never killed anybody. You're on this side of the bars of the prison. The prisoners behind those bars, they're the guys that killed somebody, not me. So God points out something to us, that our sin is not just on the outside. We have a tendency to think that sin is on the outside, that holiness is on the outside, and God says, no, 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 no. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of hellfire. Do you mean that just insulting someone can get me sent to hell? That's what Jesus says. Whoa, think about election years. Whoa. We are in a heap of trouble, right? 
anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So holding a grudge or holding hatred in your heart breaks the fifth commandment. That's just one commandment. <gasps> It'd be enough to stop right there, right? I've lost my temper. I've lost my temper. True confession time. I've lost my temper with my kids. Lost my temper with my wife. Lost my temper with people in the congregation. It's not something I'm proud of, but, you know, that would just be one commandment. I, maybe I, I can handle that. It, no, no, no. He goes on and he talks about the sixth commandment. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you that anyone, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Oh, my goodness. There goes my summertime at the beach, right? I can't be looking anymore. And what do we do? We, instead of abhorring sin like what Jesus wants us to do, we are really, really good at making excuses to continue to sin. Well, I, I'm just looking. I didn't touch. Or I, I just held a grudge in my head. I controlled myself. It didn't come out of my mouth. And we somehow think that that's okay. God's standard for us, for all human beings, is holiness, which means that anything short of that, we fall short, which means be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, and we aren't. So what do we do? The first thing we do is we, we listen to what Jesus says. We always say, oh, I can't put me into prison for thinking this or that. Or here in America, we say, it's my right to, and then we fill in the blank. And God says, arrogance winds you up in hell. God says, making excuses to keep on sinning winds you up in hell. Now you see what the problem is. That's what Jesus is doing. He's telling the people who are gathered there, you know, unless you are more holy than people that you see around you, you are still not going to make it into heaven. If, you're, if your righteousness is more than the Pharisees, you're still not going to make it into heaven because you are to be holy as the Lord your God is holy. Oh, my goodness. How in the world are we supposed to do this? Well, whenever I say I'm, I'm not hurting anybody, I remember that, wait a minute, it's a sin against God. And God owns everybody by creation. And God is the righteous judge and the lawgiver. And God says the wages of sin is death. So our hearts are sick with sin. The Bible says that our hearts stink to high heaven. Our sinful nature is, is disgusting. When God looks at us and he smells us, he's, it's, it's a disgusting odor. He cannot stand it because sin goes completely against his character. So where is the good news in this? So Jesus tells me that my thoughts and my words are just as bad as my actions. 
that's not a whole lot of comfort here, Pastor. No, if I look at me, you're right. Looking at me, looking at my life, not a whole lot of comfort. But I'm not doing that, am I? Whose sermon is this? It's Jesus' sermon. Jesus is being a good physician right now. He's telling the patients, he's telling you and me, boy, you got something, I'm telling you, it's worse than your worst nightmare of cancer. It's infecting every cell of your body. There is no cure for it on earth. You can try to avoid it as long as you can, but it's not going to be able to be avoided. You're going to die. That's what a good physician would tell you if you have a problem. But Jesus is the good physician that does things amazingly good. So he says, you know what? I know your problem, but I have a cure. I created the only cure that there is. And that's me. And he went to a cross. He gathered up all of our sin on himself, and he paid for it with his own life. What an incredible God we serve. Amazing love. Such unbelievable kindness. I want you to hear again. It says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. Jesus wants us to know this. He wants us to know that sin is not just on the outside. We are permeated in our very souls with sin. And except for him stepping into history, we would have no hope. But you have hope. Because you know the story. You know how Jesus came as he was promised. You know what he did. How he went around doing good all his life long. You know how he was slandered, how he was spit on, how he was beat up and whipped. You saw how he was crucified, and after he was all dead on the cross, they dishonored him by sticking a steer, a spear into his side. And then they quickly wrapped him up and put his body into a tomb. And we think to ourselves, oh my. He did that because I had a dirty thought. He had to die because I was impatient with my child and I lipped off something that I should not have lipped off. He had to die because I was just not content with where God had me in my life. And I complained to him. And I had grudges that I held against other people. He had to die. But don't ever just stop there. <laughs> don't stop with his death. He came back to life as he promised. And what did he say to his disciples? Peace. He doesn't want us to feel guilty because why? He took away the guilt. And he rescued us for himself. That is really good news. And he says, I want you to know something. I paid your debt for you. You are set free in heaven is now your home. You couldn't get there by yourself. I'm going to take you there. But before you get there, I'm going to leave you on planet Earth so you can tell other people because I want them in heaven too. <laughs> what a surprisingly good God we have. Do you know what happened to 
end of the story with David? After he trashed God, he lived for about a year pretending like nothing happened. He went through all the motions of going to church, giving his offerings to church, having all these nice churchy friends. He pretended everything, and everybody could still count months. And when his wife gave birth, and it was not nine months, they put two and two together, and so everybody in the country was dishonoring God because they were asking, how come God doesn't do anything? So what, what happened? This is what happened. With that, after trashing that, instead of squishing him, God sends Pastor Nathan to him. Pastor Nathan goes into the court, and he tells the king a, 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 a story. And at the end of this story about a wicked person doing a wicked thing, King David gets really angry, and he says, that guy's got to pay with his life. He's got to pay four times over what he did. And Pastor Nathan said, you're the guy. God says, that's your punishment. And Pastor Nathan turned his back on the king and let himself out of the courtroom. And as he's going out of the courtroom, before he gets to the back door, the king rises from his throne, tears his clothes, and he says, I have sinned against heaven. The Lord stops Pastor Nathan, turns him around, says, go back to King David and tell him, the Lord has put away your sin. That affected King David for the rest of his life. He could not undo the terrible sin he did, but from that point on, you could surely tell that King David was a different man. This is the words that he used in Psalm 51. He said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. So again, listen, you don't have to worry about your sin debt. It's gone. So what do you do now? You live for the one who set you free. So if you're holding a grudge, knock it off. Don't hold a grudge. If you're kind of hesitant to be kind to somebody, be kind. Use kind words and build up one another. The Lord says to honor each other above yourself. To think of others first over yourself. To be kind and considerate as holy and dearly loved children of God. And when you fail, and you know you will, because we have that sinful nature, you don't have to run away from God at all. He says, come to me. You're tired, you're, you're burdened with your sin, come to me. I will give you rest. And you'll find rest for your souls. At the end of every service here so far, well, not every service, but almost every service, you hear what's called the benediction. Do you ever think of that benediction? It's God 
smiling on you. His, his face is just lighting up when he looks at you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you peace. In Jesus Christ, so let us live this week. Amen.